are ready to begin week four and I know that you all have done your first play session now. I'm hoping and believing that you are feeling a little bit more comfortable with them now that you got the first one underway. I know the first one's always the hardest so I'm glad that you got that under your belt and I hope that you are ready to do more and feeling a little bit more confident as we move forward. And as promised, today we get into limit setting and I know so many of you are really wanting effective skills to use when your child is struggling to comply and obey. And so this is the week for you. We will get into limit setting this week, but as always, we will begin with the rules of thumb. So there are two today and we will go over each of those before we get into limit setting. So the first, so helpful, and I actually see the opposite of this a lot. So I think this is so positive to kind of just frame our way of interacting with kids because often we tend to dwell on the negative and I think that this gives us a positive frame and that's really helpful. So the rule of thumb is when a child is drowning, it's not the time to teach them to swim. And the greater explanation of that is whenever a child is extremely emotional, whenever they are in an emotionally charged situation, in other words, something bad just happened, scary just happened, they just got hurt, they were being wild and reckless and crazy, and then something negative resulted, even when we've often told them don't do that or that's going to happen, and then it does, that's when we typically try to teach them a lesson, we try to give them some knowledge, some moral of the story, and in that moment they are so emotionally centered, nothing rational nor logical can register for them. So when they are drowning, it is not the time to teach them to swim. They cannot hear anything that you want to say to them in that moment as far as a lesson, a rule, a moral, anything like that. We want to later follow up with that topic and when they are completely calm and they're not tired, hungry, or bored, those are kind of the go-to rule those three things out before you say anything that's impactful. Everyone is at a healthy, happy place. Then you can say, you know, I was thinking about what happened earlier and what happened was this and here's why. And that's when you can share the knowledge or the rule or the lesson in the moment that is never the time to do it. So we want to make sure that we give them the space to feel what they're feeling, deal with their emotions, and that's when we reflect those feelings. That's skill one that we learned. Reflect their feeling. You're really sad that happened. You were scared. That upset you. You're disappointed. You're frustrated, whatever the scenario is. But it's not the time to try to teach them anything in that moment. I actually, every time I share that rule of thumb, I think about a family that I worked with and I was in the medical arts building of a hospital at that point for my practice and so we had those big hospital door types like the real thick, real heavy, you know, in the medical arts building and the kid, every time he came in to play with me, he took his shoes off and the mom always told him to keep his shoes on and he never would and he would always play barefoot and I have no issue with it. I mean, kids want to be comfortable in the playroom, they can play barefoot. I never tell them that that's a limit. But she never wanted him to take his shoes off. And so anyway, fast forward, he's ready to go. She comes to pick him up. He's ready to go and he's so excited to leave. And he opens the door and it's really, really heavy. And he was little. I mean, he was a tiny three and a half anyway, but he was only three and a half. 
So he's pulling, 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 and he jerks really hard to get this heavy door open. And it scraped over the top of his foot and it like broke his toenail and it cut his toe. And it, I mean, it was, it was a pretty severe foot injury for a little guy. And I mean, he's crying and crying and crying and he's scared and he's sad and he's hurt and he's so many things. And mom launches into, see, that's why I tell you not to take your shoes off. And, and I just remember like internally cringing going, when a child's drowning, it's not the time to teach them to swim. So in that moment, you know, the effective, helpful response is, oh, that hurt. You're so sad that your toe got hurt. You wish that that wouldn't have happened, whatever it is that they're feeling in the moment. And then you know what? Later, later that night, the next time they come to the office, she can say, you know, I was thinking about last time when you chose to take your shoes off and then your foot got hurt. If you choose to keep your shoes on today, you can make sure something like that doesn't happen. Then that's when you set the lesson and the rule. So just a really helpful rule of thumb for that. When they are drowning, it's not the time to teach them to swim. And then second rule of thumb for today, during play sessions, limits are not needed until they are needed. So really very, very important lesson to keep in mind there because we don't ever want the play sessions to feel that they are centered around all of these rules and boundaries and expectations. Remember, the child leads, we follow, they get to direct, they get to be in charge. So we only set limits when they're needed, not beforehand. And I have a story to share about that as well. My grandparents, they are both still alive actually. They're 88 and 91, so I'm very fortunate that they're still healthy and they live close by. We get to see them often. But my entire childhood, they lived in St. Pete and that's a city in Florida and we lived up in like the Clearwater Largo area. So it was about a 30, 35, 40 minute drive down to see them. And they were that family that had the custom made plastic covers for their sofas. So it wasn't just like a slip cover. It wasn't just like a sheet thrown over it. It was like they had had someone hand craft so that it perfectly fit over their chairs and couches and love seats and all of those things. And it was like this thick, sticky plastic like you'd sit on it and your skin would stick to it and they had every time we went there were vacuum lines in the carpet so you knew that it had just been vacuumed and they were immaculate housekeepers they both you could have eaten off my grandmother's kitchen floor honestly that's how clean it was they took their shoes off before they walked in the front door they actually never that's another important note they never used their front door they only used the carport access because that took them into the kitchen. And the kitchen was the only floor in the house, at the front of the house, that had non-carpeted flooring. It was like linoleum, I think. So they purposefully did not use their front door because their front door walked you in and they had to walk across the carpet. So they went in through the carport, which took you into the kitchen. I mean, that's how careful they were about their home. And my, my grandmother loves Lennox. I don't know if you're familiar with Lennox vases and bowls and things, but they make these like porcelain decorative items and she loves them. So she had all of her Lennox stuff sitting everywhere and they were always just on edge when the grandkids would come over because they were always worried something was going to go wrong. So I tell you that backstory to tell you when we would drive down to my grandparents' house, it was a 30, 35 minute drive. And I would say 30 of those minutes, my mom, it was her parents. 
My mom would tell me and my brother all the things we had to do when we got there, what we weren't allowed to do when we got there, what we shouldn't do, what we should think about, what, and it was, when you get there, you have to take your shoes off right away, and you may not play in the front living room. You have to go to the back room, and you have to make sure that you don't take any drinks out there, and you have to eat only in the kitchen. And I just remember, after so many trips of that, I hated going down to my grandparents' house. And it wasn't that I didn't love my grandparents, and it wasn't that I didn't love visiting them. I hated the fact that I had to hear this laundry list of rules all the time of how we could and couldn't behave. And here's why, in now in hindsight, and as an adult, and now that I know this, during play sessions, limits are not needed until they're needed, I think why it bothered me so much was the implication was that my mom believed we were going to do all those things. She thought we were going to keep our shoes on. She thought we were going to take drinks into the living room. She thought we were going to make messes. She thought we were going to knock stuff over. And had I done something at grandma and grandpa's house that warranted a limit, okay, sure, you needed to set a limit on behavior. Please take your shoes off before you go on the carpet. But telling me all of the things that I needed to do before I even got there that had not even become an issue yet, I resented having to hear all of that, and I resented having to make that drive down to see my grandparents. So that was a personal revelation for me long after it happened. Gosh, I hated that because of all the limits that they used to set when they weren't even necessary. I knew to be good. I knew not to take my drink out there. I knew to take my shoes off. You don't need to tell me all that until I forget or until I'm breaking the limit. So anyway, two personal stories there. I always like to share when I think that they're helpful because both of these rules of thumb are really powerful and they're really important. And I want you to understand the why behind those. So those are the rules of thumb today. And that wraps up this section. In the next section, we will begin basic limit setting.